my name is Todd Adams. And this is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is episode number 223. 223. Not 224, sweetie. Got, well, yes. We I, were, we're, we're doing our shows backwards. We did our show for Friday early and we're doing our show for Tuesday now. Yeah, exactly. That doesn't mean anything to the listeners, but that's exactly right, everything's, sweetie. Everything's in a different order. Everything's good. It's not what it seems. Zen Parenting Radio is a discussion between a spiritual and emotional mom and a logical and practical dad. We have three daughters, ages 7, 10, and 11. And our goal is to give you the resources to become a better parent, but more importantly, to become a better you. And always remember, sweetie, that our motto is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. So on the agenda for today, yes, we saw a documentary on Sunday night uh-huh. called Going Clear. Uh-huh. Uh, what's it called? Going clear. Going clear. Something about the prison of beliefs. Yeah, something like that. We'll figure it out. It's about Scientology. Yes, and we're going to expand that topic to not just Scientology and the documentary, but to ideology yes. and how things fit together, at least our two cents of how things fit together. How we perceive it, yeah. Um, and I have a tournament of bad, and maybe we might start talking about uh, when it's okay to invade the privacy of your children. Or if it is. Or if it is. Uh, but first, I want to talk about my first partner, and that is uh, Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. She adjusts us twice a month, and her number is 630-941-8733. Um, and don't forget, Dr. Kelly is the only one who has a certification for pediatric chiropractic care in the great town of Elmhurst. So support us by supporting our partners. Um, but first, sweetie, I'm going to mix up the show format. Tournament of bad. Tournament of no Bad. Tournament of Bad. At the beginning? Bad. So for Tournament those of you who don't know what Tournament of Bad is, it is uh, an annoyance that I experience and I vent my annoyance to our audience. Okay. So is that Mariano's tonight? Mariano's. With, it's Mariano's. Is it really? I don't know. Okay. That's a grocery store for those of you who don't live in Chicago. And I was checking out. Uh, we got some, a salad. We got some chicken. We soup. Even, we, we got some soup. We even got some gelato. Nice. Which I'm a big fan of. I don't even know what gelato is, but it's simply delightful. It's Italian... Ice cream. Ice cream. Yeah. I don't know why they... I don't know how it's, it's different. It is good, but it's better... No, I didn't than, say good. It's whipped. But it is good. Right. It's good that, and whipped. <laughs> okay. Whip it good. <laughs> Easy Devo person. <laughs> so um, anyways... Get my stuff, and this lady, smile on her face, she's like, oh, you have three daughters. I'm like, yeah. Uh-oh. She goes, she goes, oh, I feel so sorry for you. Oh, in front of the girls? In front of my three daughters. You are joking. I'm not joking at all. How old was this person? She was, I don't know, 10 years older than me. She was in her 50s. She was actually an employee, but she was getting her food. She was on break or something. So I was kind of like, you know, because I hear those things a lot usually from my buddies who say when are you gonna go for that boy like all that stuff still i'm 43 right Do they still think i'm gonna have another child it doesn't come up as often as it used to say, but you crazy. know it's like a very so anyways this isn't even about boys and girls okay this is about a woman telling me in front of my three <laughs> children that she feels sorry for me i'm like actually lady i mean i wasn't mean about it i'm like you should feel you, you should have I'm grateful for what I have. I have gratitude. I'm lucky to have three daughters. You said that? Yes. You said you said I'm grateful for what I have. Yes. I mean, I know you are, but I just am wondering how, because sometimes... She you- said, her response was, well, how old are they? Uh-huh. I said, well, she's 11, 10, and 7. And she said, just wait. 
just wait. I go, I'm not planning to have any negative negative relationships with these girls. And she laughed at me. Of course she did, because she had negative relationships with whoever she's talking about. (laughs) She laughed. Actually, her laugh was more like this. (laughs) So, I don't know. I'm just venting. Well, I am a blessed man that has three healthy, beautiful girls. And when they're 13, 15, and 16, I'm still going to be blessed and lucky. Am I going to have different challenges? Yes. Am I going to have different benefits because they're older and I could do more things with them? Yes. So for all you people who think that they feel sorry for me, stuff your sorries in a sock. Or is it a sack? Sack, George Costanza. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, you should find that while I'm saying this. And I think that like we have uh, friends, a few friends who have like four boys and three boys and they get the same kind of comments. I don't think this is a gender specific thing. I think it is. No, I don't, Todd. And I think you get too offended by it. I don't think that anyone's trying to slam girls. They're just offering their own opinion based on a relationship that they had with their mother or that they have with their daughters. And it's got nothing to do with us. It's their experience. And they also buy into that societal norm that girls are mean and girls are dramatic. And you and I know better than that. So we don't need to like get to that level of, oh, I'm so angry. Because you know that people, they're they're working from a different belief system. Right. And we're going to talk about some of those belief systems today on this show. Okay. Did you find you can stuff your stars in a sack? Humiliated. Idiots! This is all your fault! Me? Him? His fault! He betrayed me! George, I'm sorry! Oh, you can stuff your sorries in a sack, mister! I don't know what that means. There we go. (laughs) That's good stuff. Can't stand you. Can't stand you. So, I know that you want me to be the, um, the rise above the ladies snide comment. Right. But... In that moment, and still, because this happened an hour and a half ago, I'm still a little... You're not done with it. Well, and that's okay. When I say to you, I'm not saying that you can't have feelings about it, but I feel like this has happened since, you know, our first daughter uh, is going to be 12 today. She actually, this show airs on her birthday. Um, And, you know, we've been hearing stuff like this for like 12 years. So I kind of feel like it's lost a little bit of its energy. I'm kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just people looking at the world through their own lens and, you know, I don't know. Okay. The reason I'm playing this song, sweetie? I know why. You've shared it before. I'm sharing it again. All right. 12 years ago, today. Yeah. Today. March 31st. You had labor pains. I went to Jewel to go get some... uh, Gatorade. Gatorade. I put my... I've always loved that song. I put my keys in the ignition, turned the key, XRT, the radio station, was on. What song just starts playing? Today. 12 years ago today, I was listening to that song and serendipitously... It played right when it was supposed to. Isn't that cool? That is cool. You looked that. a little bored from that story. No, though. no, I'm completely right there with you. I remember where I was. I was laying on the couch. We were at. We would lived on York. Like, Road. what are the odds of that song beginning the second I turned the ignition switch on the day that my life was about to change? Uh, it's 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 one of those weird science things. I invite our listeners to come up with their own serendipitous story. 
because it, there's not enough stories out there. I know they happen all the time, but we don't give them credit. You know, actually, a suggestion that I have for people listening is keep a serendipitous journal because you'll find that things happen. Can actually, you define serendipitous? Um, it's like synchronistic. It's like things that happen. I think like many miracles at the perfect time. Um, or right when you need it, or you hear something right when you needed that information, or you see someone that you meant to see, or you needed to talk to, or you're about to call someone and they call you. It's like these really cool uh, coincidences. Like coincidences. Sometimes there's like a telekinetic thing, I think, like that we kind of we recognize in yeah. each other what we need. But I also think that one thing, I, and I'm not doing this now, I have to be honest, but I went through a period of time a few years ago where I was writing down all my serendipitous experiences mm-hmm. and they happen daily. Yeah. Like these are not like, oh, that's your only story. Mm-hmm. You've had, um, that one was just so meaningful because yeah. our daughter was born. But they happen all the time, you guys, and a lot of times we just push them off as fluky, right. and or we don't even give it the attention it deserves. Right. You know, we're like we're going somewhere and we're thinking about someone and we run into them on the way into Target and we get to ask the question we've been trying to ask, yeah. like how often? You know, that's crazy. Yeah, and it's just one of those belief systems that we have that is cool and makes life a little more fun. It is, and 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 I, you know, I'm always freaking about words, but it's not really a belief system. It's just, it's happening. How can you not acknowledge that it's happening? Most people don't. I guess that's true. I guess that's why the journal is cool. Yeah. Because it, it gives But in you, order to journal, you need to acknowledge believe, it. You need to be open to the possibility. Well, and let's, let's remind our listeners that a lot of people will say, well, that's just crazy. It's a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the definition of coincidence? Coincidence means that things geometrically, like the, the word itself means things fit perfectly together. Yes, they coincide yeah. perfectly. So Somehow the meaning of it got turned upside down. Yeah, it became like coincidence meant fluky. Yeah, and when it actually, It's completely by design. Completely by design. So. And so just when you, next time you use the word coincidence, rethink it. Um, so, um, and then real briefly, we have a documentary coming up on May 18th, yes. uh, called the empowerment project. Uh-huh. It's all about, um, a docu- documentary of following these ordinary women who are doing extraordinary things and the documentarians are all women. Right. And, um, so sign up for it on our website, but we have a sponsor of the screening itself. A partner. A partner. They're coming in to help us. And the partner is Comprehensive Clinical Services. And we talk more about them on this Friday's show, but the website is discoverccs.org and they do marital therapy and family therapy and a lot of different things. And we're big fans of them. We've actually known the owner for quite some time. So check them out. So let's talk about the documentary. Okay. How do you want to start this? I think I'll just jump in. Uh, It's interesting because Todd and I both were pretty interested in watching this documentary um, because we had, uh, as usual, instead of talking about Oprah all the time, I feel like I talk about NPR all the time. We had listened to an interview on NPR, two interviews, one with the author of the book, Going Clear. Um, Again, will you get me the subtitle? It's Um, I think it's Scientology and the... Going Clear, Scientology and the Prison of Belief. Prison of Belief. So we had, I'd heard the author on NPR talk about his um, experience writing the book and he is a Pulitzer Prize winning author and he's also a writer for the New Yorker. So this isn't just like a random person yeah, who decided it's an to established, credited author. And he also wrote some articles about Scientology in the New Yorker and then it, you know, kind of came became a book. And then this year, or in the last year or two, um, Alex Gibney, I think is his name, he's an uh, Academy Award-winning documentarian. He 
got the book and created a documentary based off of it. Um, so he used a lot of the same people and, you know, obviously the information that I think Lawrence Wright, is that who the author of the book is? I don't know. I okay. can find it. Regardless, we had been listening to these interviews and had kind of been staying connected to, you know, just what they were saying and when, when the uh, documentary was going to air. So we watched it Sunday night, like Todd said, and um, we had lots of deep talks about it. Uh, number one, because of the content, just things that we did not know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I it, it, I think it's one of those things where when you can look at any system of belief, you can look at any religion and you can go back in time. If you really – like the people I love to talk to are people who understand the history of religion, mm-hmm. um, like the Joseph Campbells of the world. Yeah. You know, obviously he's no longer with us, but people who really understand where things came from and why. Right. Because having that information, I think – it doesn't keep you from believing. It gives you a more grounded set of understanding. Well, can I uh, – because most people probably haven't seen this. So I feel like we need to take one quick step back okay. and say that the documentary paints a not-so-great picture of this religion. Yeah. Well, it gives the history – L. Ron Hubbard, who wrote Dianetics, who was the creator of Scientology, it gives his history and how he got to be who he is and how he did what he did. Mm-hmm. And the histo- the history, just like we're talking about people who understand the history, is not very flattering. Mm-hmm. Allegedly. Um, this al- is, assuming the documentary is absolutely truthful, which, you know, we don't know for certain, it the- sure seemed like it was we're just kind of going off of the people who created it and put it together. Yeah. They just seem – it's you know, it's tough. Like that's what Todd and I talked about after viewing it is there's not a lot that is certain. People write things about people that you don't know yeah. and um, you know, it's hard to know. But I feel like this has probably been the most – It's been pretty well vetted. Yes. That's the way to say it. Like this is – you know, actually, you know who they give a ton of credit to who? Um, is South Park mm. because South Park did, I think it was in 2005, mm-hmm. a like a show. Yeah, they made fun of it uh, or based around Scientology. And I guess at the very end of it, they said, it just said, now sue us. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Because, yeah. And I don't know what happened yeah. after that, but they they were one of the first shows. Yeah, to kind of. And again, they were. Shine a light. But they were making fun, right. of course, so it didn't get a lot of respect. Sure. Um, but I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Those two. Trey and Matt, I yeah, think. Yeah. They're, they're interesting people. Um, very brave people. Yeah. And, you know, they did Book of Mormon, which you and I saw, which is another, you know, kind of rip on religion. Right, right, right. Or another way to view religion. Yeah. So I guess, uh, you know, where do, I, where do we want to go with this? We just found it interesting why and how people get – into a religion Mm -hmm. and how we can sometimes stop thinking for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And again, this is not to say that religion – we're struggling to talk about this, Todd and I, because – We usually avoid this topic. Yeah, because we don't want to offend anybody and we don't want to say religion is bad because I don't believe that. It's not true. It's not true. Um, That's kind of – that's an overreaching idea to say religion is bad. I I don't think that at all. But I think sometimes – People get into certain situations and they forget to think for themselves. Or like a lot of these people said, they were – they got so invested that they – well, they actually called it brainwashing. Mm -hmm. I don't – again, we don't know if that's true. Mm -hmm. But what Todd and I discussed afterwards is how – 
even though we all want people in our lives to support us, and hopefully if you belong to a church or a synagogue, you there are people there that support you and that you you find a tremendous uh, sense of um, community. community, belonging, connection. Mm-hmm. That's what the hope is um, or, you know, wherever you, you attend services. But at the same time, are, do you feel like you still have a voice? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that you can speak for yourself? Right. and Or do you feel like you're being told who to be right. and what to do? Because right. that's where things get a little scary for people, I think. Right. Well, um, you know, we wanted to kind of frame this from a, a larger perspective perspective just about ideology and that doesn't ideology doesn't necessarily even have to mean religion it could mean politics it could mean you know whatever so we don't want to like pigeonhole ourselves into this being a religion discussion but it's really not but whenever you attach yourself to an idea that removes your own interpretations or beliefs in it then well whenever you become so certain that you can't hear anybody else that's where it can be difficult because it's one thing to have a belief system about something and say this is what makes my life feel correct and balanced and right. But can you still hear that other people have different experiences that make their life feel correct, balanced, and right? And I feel like our podcast is all like we would never tell anybody what to believe or what not to believe. We just hope that whatever you believe, it is one of love. Compassion. It is one of compassion. Empathy. It is one of inclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, to pick on Scientology for a second, we could pick on any religion here, but because we just saw this, you know, the fact that the people who were the leaders of this uh, had many opportunities to defend themselves within this documentary and they chose not to, you're kind of like why well i actually just listened to an interview about that okay. while you guys were gone um and what they said was that um the scientology community said we will send you these 10 people to interview well they were the disconnected family members of the people in the documentary right. so they were just basically it was more of a so the documentarians wanted to talk to the leaders and the leaders were like we well we're not we'll going to let you talk you to us people. we'll send you these people who are jaded Towards whatever side of the argument. They have a bias and they are very upset with the family member who left the religion or left the group. And so they are obviously going to come after these people. And what Alex Gibley said, he said, I wanted to make the documentary that I wanted to make where it had all the information rather than focus in on these specific people. And he said, when I said... You know, these are not the people I want to talk to. I want to talk to, and you can guess, you know, mm-hmm. the leader. He mm-hmm. wanted to talk to Tom Cruise. He mm-hmm. wanted to talk to John Travolta and then a few other names that if you watch the documentary, you'll see um, they refused. Mm-hmm. And and again, that's their right. Um, but, you know, I, I like what Todd said about this is ideology, not just about a religion, but everything, because one thing that he and I discussed is in our time, and I'll just speak for myself rather than make this about Todd, but I've had a lot of different teachers in my life and um, and all of them have gotten me here. So I'm very thankful for them. I'm very grateful. There's no, you know, uh, anger or anything that I'm carrying like that. But I definitely can look back on certain experiences with certain teachers and recognize that their intention was not necessarily to help me, but to have me think like them. Right. And while I was in the midst of it, I could not see that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, it's almost like, you know, you're so interested in getting validation from them. 
Because they're usually people that you look up to for whatever reason, or they're in a position of some authority. Or some power. And you know, it's interesting because you go to teachers when you're struggling, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're struggling, you're already looking for answers. You're more vulnerable. Yes. You have the ability to be influenced easier. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, Well, it's funny because to bring it back to parenting for a second is, you know, it's funny. What you just said is the teachers in your life or a few of the teachers in your life wanted... Maybe they wanted, they were as interested in having you think like them as they were to help you grow. Right. Right. And as parents, I think we get caught up with that. Like we want our kids sometimes to To think think like like us us because what we think is right. But really what we should be doing and focusing on is giving our children the ability to think for themselves and to be a free thinker. Steve and Elise Keaton from Family Ties. Alex P. Alex P. Keaton, you know, they were like Democrats and hippies, and he was a Ronald Reagan Republican. Like, they did a great job with him. I know that we're talking about fake people. (laughs) But that's how Todd and I relate to the world. But that's a really great example. Like, I don't know what my, what things I believe, I I know plenty of things I believe in, but if my daughter, I hope my daughters. If her ideology was opposite from yours. I hope that they feel like they have the space to do that and to to express it. That's all. And hopefully it's one of love and compassion and everything else. But, you know, you just, you know, you don't know. Well, and I'll take this a step further. What I recognized after working, like I said, having a lot of different teachers is that the thing that started to kind of drive me crazy was no matter who I went to, they would always seek out what was wrong with me. Yeah. Even when I would come in and say, I'm feeling pretty good. Mm -hmm. And they'd say, well this is blocked or this is wrong or how have you been dealing with this? And the the focus was very – the focus was Mm problem-based, meaning you can't be going to a teacher unless you have a problem. And sometimes I wanted not necessarily to focus on this blockage or this issue, but let's talk about the things that are working because I'm feeling pretty good. I mean sometimes I would go to a teacher and really need to pull myself out of a funk, you know, and and the issues I was dealing with were very obvious and we needed to focus on the problem. But a lot of times I would go to people, you know, and I would sit there thinking – Really? Like, I'm feeling great, and now I feel like crap. Yeah, you feel worse walking out than you do walking in. And it's really, those are the those are my life experiences through my own professional training and also through my personal experiences that have led me to things like mindfulness and positive psychology. Not because I believe that problem-based therapies or, or problem-based thinking isn't necessary. I, I'm not denying the need for those because... You know, it's just like, it's what I always called, it's a medical model. Well, and I did a little bit of research on positive psychology today. Okay. And, you know, I think some guy from Pennsylvania started it. Martin some, C- Yeah, C- that guy. Mm-hmm. He's got a TED Talk. I started watching it. But anyways, it's not in place of regular psychology. No. It is in addition to, and what this definition is of positive psychology is the scientific study of the strengths that enable individuals and communities to thrive. The field is founded on the belief that people want to lead meaningful and fulfilling lives to cultivate what is best within themselves and to enhance their experiences of love, work, and play. Like, you know, we talk about like what's the opposite of some dogma in a religion. I don't know. I kind of feel like spend as much time focusing on the strengths as you do on the weaknesses within yourself, within a community, 
whatever. Because think about it this way, you guys. We have to know what's working and we have to have a solid base understanding we're enough and that we are good as we are to then get ourselves out of funks. If we're constantly working at a deficit and we're thinking that we're always looking for the next problem, then we're in this deep hole that we're never going to get out of. Like we have to at some point recognize our strengths. We have to at some point feel like we belong and that who we are is worthy no matter what we're dealing with. Once we know that, maybe then we can start to work on the details, you know, like, well, I'd really like to work on my relationships a little bit, but before I'd really like to work on, you know, issues that I have around some health issues or what I'm saying is like having that sense of groundedness first, you know, in, I'll just talk yoga terminology. I'm a yoga teacher as well. And in yoga, we talk about you have to root to rise. And what that means is you have to have grounding and you have to have a sense of balance with your feet before you can stretch and rise and grow and make, you know, get, get bigger, um, emotionally, get taller physically and shine, shine and, and spread out, you know, um, lengthen, whatever. And it's the same thing when we're working on ourselves that what positive psychology does or what mindfulness does is gives you that base where you at least have something to rise from. Mm-hmm. If we constantly are going to people and asking them to tell us what's wrong, then we're always going to be working on something rather than appreciating what we have. Right. So again, they're both necessary. We have to have some problem-based people, but we also have to have that willingness to look at what's working. And what we're trying to do is maybe balance that out a little bit oh, because yeah. our, you know, we are in egoic society many times and it's much faster, easier, quicker, more seductive to focus on the negative. And all we're doing on these 40-minute podcasts, at least on this one, we want to invite all of you guys to pay as much attention to what's working as what's not. Like, and you know, I don't know why this example just popped into my head, but my mother passed away in August of last year. And I think during this, whatever, the sermon, what's the thing where I talk? The eulogy? The eulogy. It was, uh, you know, I had all these plans for my mom and her kind of growing up with our with her grandchildren. Our and, grandchildren growing up with her. Yes. And I feel like I kind of got cheated out of that and I was sad and I was traumatized and everything else. But there's also many people who don't get a chance to live 71 beautiful years of life. Or get to know their grandchildren as or well Or get as to even did. know their grandchildren. Mm-hmm. So th- the sadness was still there and it was real, but I don't feel like there was any harm in me th- saying to myself, she had 71 pretty darn good years. And all we're doing is we tend as a society, in, our, in my opinion, to focus a lot on the negative. And I don't know, I just feel like you can get further by balancing that out a little bit by looking at what's working. Well, and you know, speaking of balance, uh, this is kind of weird because this is going to sound like I'm throwing in a promotion, but we are doing um, our Zen Parenting Radio Mother's Day virtual retreat again. We do two virtual retreats a year. We do one at the holidays and we do one on Mother's Day. And Todd and I decided to call this virtual retreat True Balance. Mm. And we are doing that because we obviously want to focus on some things that may be problem-solving issues like setting up boundaries or when you're struggling with this or that. But we also want to focus on gratitude Mm -hmm. and we want to focus on noticing because you need both and that's what balance is. Um, You know, when we talk about positive psychology or, you know, just the word balance, it doesn't mean denying the truth about things. Some days are hard. 
Some, sometimes we're angry. Sometimes things are unfair. All those things are true. But simultaneously, we have a choice of where we're going to go with it. We actually did a show a couple of weeks ago about what, it, what to do when life stinks. Yeah. I've gotten a lot of feedback from that. Mm. A lot of people have mentioned to me that they like that show. But we, we base that on a, um, a blog post or a, or a Facebook post from Elizabeth Gilbert where she said, we can choose – to be bitter because by the time we are the age we are, you and I – We have every right to be. We have every right. We have had enough life experiences to go, dude, this blows. Like this is hard, painful. Nobody told me it was going to be like this. I didn't expect this. This isn't the life I expected or this or that. We can do that and and really no one would you know, yeah. say we're wrong for doing it. But then at some point we have to have a choice. Are we going to be bitter mm-hmm. or are we going to be better? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Why is there a motorcycle coming on? Oh, it's the Seinfeld clip I was playing. Oh. It got stuck. Oh, that's funny. Um, Real quick, our second partner is John J. Kelly, who does comprehensive dentistry. He uh, treats um, two of our three daughters on what's called non-retractable orthodontics. So it's brace time for them, but he does things a little bit differently that I encourage you to find out more about. So his website is chicagodentistonline.com and his number is 773 Six three one six eight four four. If you live anywhere in the Chicagoland area and you have kids getting ready to go into the braces phase, give them a, give them a shout. So I want to say something really quick, not only to us, you know, all of us individuals who are dealing with how we're going to view the world or view ourselves, but also I want to talk to people who are in the same line of work that Todd and I are. You're a therapist or you have podcasts or you are life coaches or doctors or whatever you do. When you are with the people that you're working with, do you recognize what they're doing that's working? Mm -hmm. And majority of you, especially if you're life coaches, because I've been trained as a coach as well, and I know that's a big part of the training is to focus on the good and focus on what's working. But for those of you that always go to the problem first, um, I really encourage you to also acknowledge when, you know, with the people you're working with, the strengths that they have, not in a like, you know, name them in this like random way, like, oh, you're brave and you're, but really say, you've got these things going for you. You've got great relationships. You've got a job you enjoy or whatever the things are because they need that foundation. Well, and I will say that sometimes I play the role of grumpy dad. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, some days I am just kind of a grumpy guy. And what I mean by that is, there's always something that I could complain about regarding my daughters, whether or not they're watching too much screen time or they didn't clean their room or they didn't pick up the towels off the floor, right. like all these like random little things. I have those days too. And it's really easy to focus on all those things that your kid isn't doing. But it's one of those things like if you actually had like a video camera on yourself 12 hours a day, like I know I'd be like, am I really like that? Like you don't even <laughs> recognize that you're always telling your kids what to do or how you how you are disappointed in them and that they didn't clean their room or they didn't pick up their towels. So, As if we do all yeah. the time. Like sometimes I crack up when I say to the girls, I'm like, here's the things you're responsible for. When you take your bath, you know, hang up your towel and pick up your clothes off the floor. And then I go into my bathroom mm-hmm. and my clothes are on the floor. Right. And I have kind of a laugh to myself. And sometimes Cameron was just walking by the other day and I said, look, I haven't picked up my clothes mm-hmm. either. You know, like yeah. I, I'm not trying to hide it. Yeah, being uh, honest and authentic about it. But I also recognize like you, I'm a grumpy mom. Well, sometimes. and this is uh, t- technology is like the easiest thing. Yeah. I will tell them I'm in front of my computer how many hours a day? Most of the day. Most of the day. Now, most of it's work and you have to work yeah, yeah, and all yeah. that, but a lot of it's not. And 
I find myself like, okay, get off your screen. You've been on a half an hour and I've been watching a YouTube clip for half an hour that has nothing to do with work. Like right. it's very hypocritical. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I feel like because we're the parents, we don't see our own behavior because we don't have a mirror in front of us. Mm-hmm. So I'm, we're totally off on a tangent here, but I think it, 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 it's worth talking about. Look at yourself and are you focusing on just the stuff that your kids don't do right versus some most of the things that they do do right? Well, and are you telling your kids the things that they're doing well? And again, not in a, you know... Good job. Yeah, not that way. That's, um, what's our... What's Alfie our, Cohn. Alfie Cohn. We interviewed him a few months ago and he, that's his kind of patented example yeah. of giving them false sense of praise. No, you can... Say it honestly, like... Saying, I noticed that you put everything away tonight and I didn't have to ask you and I really appreciate that. That makes my life easier. Yeah, that doesn't mean that you say, oh, you get dessert tonight. You know, there's no... no you like, don't have to reward it. Yeah. You just say, acknowledge it. it. Say thank you. Yeah. That's, what's what's wrong with saying thank you? I know. Or what's wrong with pointing out something that someone's doing well? I When, when they're expected to do it. Like, I think we as parents don't thank our kids for doing things that we that they're expected to do as if... That's a wrong thing. Well, we think that what people have told me they think is that if they tell them thank you or they say they appreciate it, then either A, they'll expect to hear that thank you every time, or B, they'll stop doing it because they won't be afraid anymore that they'll get in trouble for not. Right. So again, we're working from a place of fear that somehow it's going to backfire on us when we all know that love and compassion and noticing strengths can really never backfire yeah. on you. I can't. I mean, maybe, you know... I can't even think of, I I don't think it could. I don't think showing more love can backfire on you unless you're being self-loving or unless you're not being self-loving to yourself. Right. Do you know what I mean? If you're like giving too much love and not noticing yourself in the process, obviously that's a self-care issue. Yeah. But otherwise, I can't imagine why gratitude, because again, you guys, this is why it's so important. Our kids learn how to be kind by experiencing kindness from us. Our kids learn how to be thankful and grateful by experiencing gratitude and, you know, from us, they need to know what that feels like and looks like and how it's done. They don't just learn it by osmosis. They have to see it and experience it. Right. And so we have to be the people to role model that, you know. Um, did you see that email I sent you from one of my students? No. Oh, I say this only because sometimes with my uh, with some of my college students, I recognize like some of the emails I get, they're just so like – I don't even know what the word is. Like, it's not that they're unkind, but there's not a lot of social graces anymore Mm -hmm. in how things are written. There's not a, you know, thank you, or is this okay, or how are you doing? It's just very like, blah, blah. It's almost like written like text. Yeah. And again, that may just be things that are changing with our, you know, technological-based society. But I think our children learn how to speak with other people by the way we speak with them. Right. So if we are being short with them or not having engaging conversations where we actually recognize what's good about them, they don't pick up on how to do that. Yeah. And maybe this is coming from a place of lack, but I I remember I got bent out of shape with these girls. Maybe it's when you're in Kansas city and, uh, you know, as the, the single dad for the weekend, um, your tolerance levels are low because you're not able to share the responsibility as you know, every time I go out of town and the expectations that they had on the weekend, like, dad do this, or I'm expecting this. And like for like 24 hours, I don't think I heard a single thank you for the million things that I did for right, him. Right. And I kind of got triggered a little bit, like where, what, what am I doing wrong that these girls think that it's okay to just expect 
everything. Mm-hmm. Are mm-hmm. you with me? I do. I am with you, and I don't think that's the first time no. I've heard that, nor have we we've talked about this on the show before. You're right. It's not a magic thing where all of a sudden, because we say thank you to them, they're going to be thanking us all the time. But I also think that when we feel that trigger, when we start to feel that discomfort, that's the opportunity for conversation. See, what we do instead is we get uncomfortable, we get internally mad, and we start to turn that trigger against them. And we start to pull things away and say, you're not grateful, instead of saying, I'm starting to feel like you're not recognizing what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And you are starting starting to expect things that that are beyond what should be expected at this point. Right. That's a conversation. See, we what we do is when we get rubbed the wrong way or triggered, we vent it somewhere else, yeah, we hide it. It becomes a one-way conversation. It becomes inter- we internalize it and then it gets like thrown up on them later. Yeah. And and I'm not saying it could always be done perfect at the right time, but usually when I start to feel that, like like I just did upstairs mm-hmm. when the girls weren't listening to me, yeah. I was saying it's time for bed, and everyone just kept playing and just kept playing. And my comment was, "Girls, I don't think you're listening to right. me at all right now." Like instead of, you know, well, it usually takes three or four times. You know, like I don't know, we're sometimes like, you know. It's not that bit like it's not. We're we, low key about. We, we don't want robots, right? I, you know, I, I a part of me wants wants robots. Like well, it, there are moments of there's robots nothing are nice. great. There's nothing better when like you say something and it happens right away. But that's not. These are human beings, so we we are not asking for robotic children. But after the third or fourth time, or the second or third, whatever the situation is you finally hit that spot where like, hey man, I'm serious. And that's the, that's what I was just going to say is sometimes we're so low key at night, like, oh, get upstairs, get your pajamas on. And they kind of make their way on their own yeah, they time. They slowly, like they're, they have molasses they in their shoes. It. Yeah. Whereas tonight we had things we had to do. And so I had to be clear about right. what I was saying. Right. I, girls go up and, you know, get ready for bed, laugh, 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 do stuff, you know, and I'm moving around or no, I wasn't, I was sitting, but I was kind of doing my own thing. And then finally I said, girls, Upstairs, yeah. I feel like you're not listening to what I'm saying. And right away, they listen. Well, it's because you had a tone that you didn't have the first few exactly. times. Exactly. And and there is a sense of, you know, yeah. of of a little more of a, um, immediacy, yeah. urgency. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and sometimes we will, and then they'll go upstairs and we'll say, I can't believe they didn't listen to me the first time. Well, they didn't, but it got. And they didn't usually because they, they don't like, ju- they don't jump to it the first time the right. night before either. Right. So like their expectations are like, okay, we got three or four you know, reminders from mom or dad before we have to go upstairs. So, and then all of a sudden we get mad because they didn't do it on the third time. Exactly. Or like we said that the night before we say go to bed and we're not, because you and I are doing something else, we're not even noticing when they got upstairs. So it wasn't an issue. So again, sometimes our kids, and I'm not saying they're right and we're wrong or anything. I'm just, what, what, it's so important about this whole discussion, what we're talking about with ideology, and is to be able to view things from other people's perspective. Empathy. Empathy. Have an understanding of, um, you know, step in someone else's shoes. Like one of the things that um, I feel like I've talked about Roman so much, but I guess he made an impact on me. Um, Who's Roman, Roman? Our empathy guy. Yeah. He he's he's an empathy expert and he's written a few books about empathy and he'll be on our show a week from Friday. A week from Friday. We already did the interview, but you know, one of the things that I've learned from him is not only do we have to be empathetic for the people who have less than us and who are challenged in whatever ways they are challenged and 
um, you know, maybe need more of a handout or an understanding, you know, where they are. We also have to have empathy for people who are in power and people who have privilege and people who are wealthy or people of a different religion mm-hmm. or, you know, things that may not be as obvious as someone who's homeless. Right. Um, we have to have empathy, meaning we have to keep our hearts open so we understand why they do what they do. Yeah. Because I'll tell you, going back to this documentary, I feel like I, I understood why these people would get involved with something that told them and and showed them in their initial steps that they would find greater happiness. And in the initial steps, they did. They did find greater happiness. So no wonder that they want to keep going with it. They did. And some of there are people who are Scientologists right now who still may be getting mm-hmm. that feedback of happiness, and they may not be at the levels that yeah. this documentary was was talking about. Um, and and that's the thing is sometimes we look at people and say why would that why would they do that I would never do that and if you were in their shoes who knows yeah. and I think that you know the Maya Angelou quote whatever is of another human being is of me well, we could all be in a position like that well we're gonna play Brian Steven we're gonna talk about Brian Stevenson this Friday. Oh, yeah. And, you know, one thing that he said, and I am going to play the clip on Friday's show, is he doesn't believe that any human being is equal to their worst acts. Yes. So if you are somebody who stole something from a store, you are not just a thief. Right. Or if you're somebody who hurt somebody, you're not just Someone a, who hurts people. And if you're a murderer, you're not just Someone a murderer. Yet somebody. in our society, we view people as they're only as good as their worst acts. Yeah. And us human beings make... Plenty of mistakes. Well, we're and, so multifaceted. Yeah. You know, you there's no way – and again, Todd said we're going to talk about Brian Stevenson. He is the executive director of the Equal Justice Initiative and the author of Just Mercy. Mm-hmm. And he – we saw him speak last week and like Todd said, we talk about him on the next show. Um, but we can't look at people in such a one-dimensional way. Yeah. We can't look at them in this like – we kind of – give them a name and maybe a face, but that's it. Like we don't want to really know them. We don't want to really, you know, even with people who have hurt us in our own lives, we start to associate a word with them. Well, yeah, they're, I don't like that person because they did this one thing to me. Right. And what about the other 45 things that they did that was nice? Maybe they're having a really bad day that day. I know. And that goes back to self-care. You're only able to see that unless you have a full tank to begin with. I listened to this interview with this guy. He's an author and he was talking about, he he wrote a book about um, surviving the suicide of his brother. His brother committed suicide and he talked about how he and his brother got along when they were kids, but when they were adults, not so much. And he finally decided to go visit his brother. They had a great time. And he was, his brother took him on this like hot air balloon ride and they had so much fun. And he started to see his brother from this like more grown up perspective. And then he said that at the end of that trip, his brother happened to make kind of like a, a, a racial remark or something that could be thought of as a racial remark. And this brother was so put off by it and so disgusted by his brother that he just was like, See ya. Wrote him off. Wrote him off. You know, forget this guy. And didn't talk to him for like 10 years. Mm-hmm. And his brother – and when I say this, I don't – this was not his brother's fault. But he ended up committing suicide. Mm-hmm. And the, the – you know, the brother who wrote the book feels 
he that's what he recognized is that he he you know he talked about how my brother was so much more than that one remark and even though that one remark was ignorant yeah. and it's not what i believe i just let the whole relationship go based on that one minute yeah. instead of maybe sticking up for myself and saying you know what dude i don't buy into that that's not going to work with me we write people off mm-hmm. instead of give them an opportunity to transform transform yeah you What's- write them off before you give them an opportunity to grow and evolve because that's how we're we're all doing that right aren't, now. Aren't we? At least hopefully we're getting we're evolving instead of the opposite of. And evolving. you know what, Todd? Just to end this conversation, yeah. that's why we're also afraid of making mistakes because people write us off. Yeah. You know, we are so afraid how of taking risks. How good could he or she be if they failed at this this exercise? All or of a sudden, we just decide they failed at this, so they're a failure. So they so we think it's safer to not be courageous and put ourselves in challenging positions. When in fact, that's actually the most risky thing you can do because you don't grow that way. Well, like in The Mask You Live In, one of the things the boys said, the teenage boys, that's that's the documentary we um, screened last month about masculinity, is they said, I'm not going to tell my buddies about my deepest fears and the things I struggle with and my depression and anxiety because they could use it against me. Mm-hmm. And I think girls would say – that's not just not a male thing. Yeah. I think girls would say similarly. People use things against you when they know right. your darkness. Right. And one thing my girlfriends and I said to each other uh, a couple weekends ago, we were, you know, having a love fest because we love each other so much, you know, Um, girls, you know, friends from college, as you know, they, you know, they know everything about you. And we kept saying, you know, we love each other's light and we love each other's, other's dark. We've seen a lot of dark from each other and we've seen a lot of light and we love each other regardless. And that's true friendship or with you and I. Yeah. That's partnership. You know my dark. Yeah. And I know yours. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that doesn't dissuade me from loving you. That's right. Just as much. So Good job, sweetie. It's forty six minutes in. That's all right. It's good stuff. So, um, what about this Mother's Day retreat? What are we calling it? Um, True Balance. I mean, I, I kind of feel like because we do them so infrequently, let's just call it, as you said, the Zen Parenting Radio Mother's Day virtual retreat. True balance. True that. True grit. Mm-hmm. So how would somebody sign up for that and how much does it cost and what goes into it? Well, zenparentingradio.com, you can click on events and it'll take you to the page. Um, it's $50 because it's it, usually we do it for like two weeks and this time it's only going to be a week. Um, it's going to be Monday to Friday. Um, we're going to do exclusive podcasts, um, meaning they're not podcasts that are available to the public. They're only available for this retreat. The best part though is the community. The community. We have a Facebook page. Facebook page and that's really, I think, the one of the better parts of it. I mean, if you like the podcast, that's great but um you can't get this and you it's kind of like just an injection of adrenaline and positive energy that you have and hopefully will carry forward for a while well you recognize that there's a like-minded community yes. out there from usually our retreats um we have a, a lot of people and there's international participants so mm. you meet people on the other side of the world who are thinking the same way you are yeah. who are trying to make these conscious choices and be self-aware and that aren't we all looking for a tribe you know aren't we all looking for people who think like we do so and, and i don't mean think like we do like we all have the exact same beliefs right. but that we're all trying to be more open and empathetic and self-aware sweetie you talked about the tribe i have a, a men's group i call it the tribe you do and you can look at more about it um on our website the tribe and we're always looking to expand some some new guys in the uh in the group. So if you're from Chicago, uh, check out the tribemensgroup.com. All right. Um, what else do we have? Um, thank you for sharing our show. Thank you for writing us iTunes reviews. Thank you for telling one friend about our podcast. 
Uh, thank you for using our Amazon link on our website because it helps us. So thank you for all that stuff. Yeah, we appreciate your support. And lastly, I want to thank Jeremy Kraft. He's the owner of Avid Company, and they do painting and remodeling all over the Chicagoland area. And their number is 630-956-1800, avidco.net. And if you call Jeremy, uh, just tell him he's a bald-headed beauty. <laughs> right, sweetie? Because a, he is. And a good guy. And a good guy and a honest businessman. Yeah. And for contractors, that's saying something. That's kind of a shot. I was going to say, why would contractors be thought of as non-honest? Because. Because they are. I'm not really? saying they are, but they're perceived as sometimes... So that's a stereotype. Stereotype. Got it. Very good. Um, and that's about all I got. I guess it's words of wisdom time, sweetie. Okay. What do you got? Um, I don't know. I didn't bring anything with me. Why don't you throw something out? <laughs> you know what mine was going to be. I know. Just this will be my words of wisdom. Be open-minded. Listen to people. Be a listener. Obviously, trust what you believe, but always be open to hearing and understanding somebody else because that's what keeps us free. When we get too bound by things that we have to be so certain about, that's when our lives start to get a little difficult. Otherwise translated as keep on trucking. <laughs> right, sweetie? Yeah, live in the mystery. How about that? Isn't that a Sarah McLaughlin thing? No, that's building a mystery. Same thing. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. All right. Adios. Have a good week. Bye. Thank you.